0: trading at episode 154 you know if you put a squeeze on a market and people find out about it the minute you start to try and unwind your position it's like mate if you think sharks have got a strong sense of smell for blood and got nothing on a bunch of traders when there's somebody sitting there trying to unwind a position. the
1: market's going to do something your job is not to fight it
0: the market never ever runs away it's always there that personal diary of trading What's up, traders? Welcome to
1: this episode of Trading Up. We've got Paul Scott on the show, who's a veteran trader from the UK. Uh, he's got a story that I trust, trust me, it is story and a half. This guy went from his dad trading to him trading all the way through his life, through the whole system of a trader could possibly go through at the end into the retail trader space now uh, we don't just get paul's story here on the show we get tons of insight into what actually goes on in this industry so stay tuned there's some doozies that drop in this episode now afterwards we did shoot a video as well where paul actually reveals one of the key bank trading levels so if you want to see that head over to the youtube channel it's over there he also talks about how he trades off these levels and you can see how he sort of uses them to get in and out of trade so guys that's all coming up here for you this week just before christmas kicks off 2022 so thank you guys for watching or listening to the show across the course of the 2021 year it's been a crazy year for the world Uh, but i do really appreciate you guys for sticking by me and consuming this content and hopefully it's taking your trading uh, in the right direction and improved it like it's improved mine this year uh, in particular and hopefully you guys are finding success out there in the markets now uh, other things happening here on trading up before we wrap up the year i should give you an update on this genius trader thing so this is going to be launched late january early february in fact i recorded something last week for it as well so guys that's not far away so please stay tuned for that in the new year now while we're talking about getting into the holiday season here if you are following my robot builders club and my robot lab i've got my my happy singles bot which is available this december only up there on the trading up website for you guys to follow the performance and see the strategy learn the strategy and see how it performed historically so we're seeing that unfold this december it's three weeks in and it's actually looking pretty good so go and check that out over there on TradingNut.com under the robots link and if you're looking to do something in the holidays you're perhaps looking to start to automate some of the stuff you're doing or even just get into automating your trading or some of it or all of it it can be a partially automated system or a fully automated system then go and check out my robot builders club because if you come on board i'll teach you how to do that and might be the perfect time for you to start a course go through the whole thing pop out start a 2022 being able to automate your trading all right guys that's enough from me let's get on with this episode with paul scott it's a doozy Hey folks, my sponsors City Traders Imperium have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program you gotta check out. You can now skip the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With C2A it's even faster and easier to reach up to four million dollars in funding with a fifty to seventy percent profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up, we've got Paul Scott in the house with us all the, all the way over there in Oxfordshire in the UK. Welcome to the show, Paul.
0: Thanks very much, Cam. Nice to uh, nice to be on and um, hello to everybody listening. Hope you enjoy this and um, yeah, give it a couple of likes or whatever on whichever platform you're watching it on or listening to it on and yeah, let's see if we can. Let's see if we can some... give them
1: a good one. Huh? Yeah, we, we we had a yeah. chat, we had a good long chat actually, probably for about an hour and a half or an hour last week yep. uh just to just to sort of meet each other and that and hopefully we can sort of glean out some of those amazing stories that you're able to tell able to tell me during that that call in the show here yeah. today guys so this will be something a bit different for you if um even if you have heard from paul before uh this we will bring you some different content here so stay tuned right to start off with paul to, so the guys that yep. don't know you how did you get started in the industry
0: well I was very fortunate. Uh, my father uh, was a trader on the London Metal Exchange, or the LME, uh, for around about 35 years. Um, he literally sort of started there, I think, in his early 20s. Um, got taken down there on day one by a guy that he'd met at a party. Um, they said, you know, look, we're opening, We're looking for people to sort of come and join us. Dad had never heard of it before. I think previous to that, he was working at a wine merchants. Uh, where for those of you if anybody are listening the people that i previously worked with you know my dad liked to uh a bit of a connoisseur of the old vino <laughs> have amongst other But that's obviously where he cut his teeth with it but yeah he went down there i suppose yeah probably 21 22 something like that and then just stayed loved it absolutely fell in love with it and um yeah until he retired and he asked me for basically told me, I suppose you could say really, at the age of 16, i I've just left school, probably had about three or four weeks off, uh, a little bit of a grace period or whatever. And as dads do, he turned around to me and he said, right, my son, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I'll be perfectly honest with you, at the age of 16, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I loved music, I would loved DJing, I've done that, you know, sort of my alter ego, you know, pirate radio over in the UK and stuff like that, which was always great fun uh maybe to relieve some of the stress and the strains of work and things like that. But, yeah, so, I mean, at the age of 16, he basically said to me, right, you're going to come and work with me. We're going to get you some work experience. Um, We're not going to get paid. I will buy you some suits, some shirts, some ties and the likes. And But you're going to come down, get some experience, and then when there's an opening, perhaps with one of the brokers or one of the banks, you know, we'll look to get you in there. Um, So I, I suppose I stayed with Dad for about five six months something like that and then an opportunity came along um at a company called credit Lyonnais rouse uh, credit a french bank uh credit Lyonnais rouse uh, was a part of i think it was alexander rouse they took over and what, what were you and, learning
1: from your dad in
0: that first six months can you remember well basically how the markets worked you know what was it you know what was it all about because as a young guy you know it's like somebody to say what does your dad do for a living?" and he buys and sells metal. He didn't really know anything too much about it. And mum was the same. If you if you'd ask her today, you know, what did Harry used to do as a job? She'd just say he used to buy and sell metal. You know, she didn't really wasn't really too bothered. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so, I mean to go down there and and just see this world that you never knew existed is kind it's a real weird thing you know a trading floor this is an open outcry trading floor this isn't a trading floor so much today as it's all office based this is literally you know we're down on the trading floor all working for separate companies um, you know all screaming and shouting and talking in languages that you wouldn't understand you know as a normal person you know if somebody came up to you and said hey cam you know cash to three's nickel is you know 100 contango right i would You'd be, be to... like going what what the hell <laughs> what, what does that mean you know what does that mean or you know uh cash the three months copper is trading at 500 back or deck deck is trading at you know 25 back or something like that it was completely different you know it's not you know sort of normal life per se but it's very very interesting and and sort of learning the ropes in the beginning i mean i remember going down there literally on the first day And you're trying to get your ears tuned in to what's going on, because obviously, you know, you've got lots and lots of different voices and shouting and screaming and stuff. And you're trying to single out, you've got one person that you're trying to listen to, and this person would be um, essentially giving you a run. Now, basically what that means is, is he's standing there, he's making hand signals at you, you know, double-O trading for people that we didn't like, Uh, you know, two bid, seven bid, 20 bid, you know, things like that offered, Trading and trying to work out what those hand signals meant, um, trying to then sort of copy that, and you know, try and giving other people a run, you know, behind you. These are guys that are on phones to clients. You know, everyone's, you know, they're on two phones. They're on phones to clients. Clients are then, you know, telling them what they want to trade. Um, you know, if they want to be trading spreads, if they want to be trading outright, if they're trading cash, if they're trading three months. Um, various different dates so the, the london metal exchange itself is very unique in the futures market as in you can basically trade excluding weekends obviously and bank holidays but you can trade anywhere between cash which is two days forward of today out to three months and each one of those individual days may have an individual valuation so you would at times as well you would have you know a tightness in a market maybe a bit of a market squeeze where, you know, you would have the near-dated contracts are worth more than the far-dated contracts. That is the definition, basically, of a backwardation. And, and so how
1: much, to... how much, uh, how how useful is the stuff in today's world of trading what you know it's, today? Well,
0: well, it's still exactly the same. That's that's the, That's the whole crux of it. You know, it still is exactly the same. Nothing's changed. So when I speak about trading, I just want people to not imagine, but just focus on, okay, these markets that you're trading today did not open in the mid 2000s with the invention of computing power and all these weird and wonderful ways that people look at markets and, and analyze them. You know, the metal exchange itself opened in the 1870s. So, I mean, look, if, if you just took a, you know, just a Biro pen back to the 1870s, they'd either, you know, think you were an absolute maniac or think you're an absolute genius, one of the two, because they would never have seen it. So you have to say right, well, okay, but if all of these weird and wonderful methods didn't you what know, just weren't there, how did these people trade? How did this market then go on to become the world's biggest non-ferrous metal market? And of course, it can't be based upon bloody indicators or trend lines or chart patterns that just didn't exist. It's all done on the basis of wholesale and retail. Um, so, you know, if you are a broker or somebody that you know that wants metal, um, you're going to buy it at wholesale and you're going to sell it to them at retail. That's commerce. That's how commerce has always worked. And, you know, trading in any market, it's no different. You know, commerce is basically break it down to being cheap or expensive. Cheap, wholesale, expensive, retail. And, you know, we obviously have the beautiful um, ability when we're trading futures, if we think something is overvalued, we can sell it short. And buy it back at a later date you know and make a profit so you know you have to look at it and fundamentally understand that trading is actually a rather simple thing people over it for reasons for me unknown um because at the end of the day you know simple things work like i said to you last week you know we haven't reinvented the wheel for thousands of years because it works, there's yeah. no need to change it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very very simple concept. But yeah, I mean, trading is and always has been, and it always will be done on the basis of supply and demand, cheap and expensive. So I mean, you know, people that are looking at markets these days, obviously with the Corona crisis and things like that, what's happened to you know, kind of like the industrial countries? Well, obviously production of you know metal and and, and things like that. I use metals as an example, obviously where I come from, and. Um, if production ceases or production grinds to a halt, but then all of a sudden the world gets back on its feet, and now there's a great demand for metal. Let's look at the copper market as an example. you know it's been above ten thousand dollars a ton. It was nowhere anywhere near that when I was down on the LMA. Um, you know, so the, the, the demand for it has done what? It's pushed the price up on the basis of what there's a shortage. That's simple supply and demand. That, is, again, it's got nothing to do. You can't plot that with a Bollinger Band. You can't plot that in any way. It's just simple supply and demand. Um, okay, know, and so, so, about- so so let's,
1: let's yeah. jump, jump back into your – so you've moved on from there from your dad. You jumped into another yep. organisation. How did that all
0: pan out? Well, that was kind of good. I mean, I got there the, the very first day, the, um, the guy that had been there, you know, the day I was born or the day after I was born, one of my dad's best mates, a guy called Peter Tuesley, Um, He basically got me the job, but he pulled me aside. I must have been there 10 minutes. And to be honest, I'm crapping myself. This was walking into Credit DNA, number five, Apple Street, uh, behind Liverpool Street Station in London. Uh, beautiful marble building. Walked in there. Uh, sat on the desk and Pete said, right, Scotty, a word. So he took me into, you know, the tea room and he said, right, in no uncertain terms, I don't give up who son you are. You have got three in months. If you don't get it, you're out because I cannot have people sitting on this desk that essentially don't know what they're doing. You're going to be of no value to us." Um obviously must have picked something up because i'm still here and you know i, I you know i had a you know a <laughs> yeah. career on the, on the metal exchange things like that did it get shaky um,
1: at any point where you were like oh maybe <laughs> where
0: he's going well, come on you gotta turn this around or well, you, just... I, you know I, I think in the beginning i mean because my dad again you know my dad was a very very big character on the london metal exchange you know anybody that, you know anybody that knows my dad that's listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, so I had a very big shadow to walk in, which perhaps didn't make it any easier at times. You know, because they, probably maybe people had a, an expectation of you that perhaps just wasn't you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it was you know sort of trying to carve out your your, your own career, um, which is why I didn't necessarily always predominantly stay with metals. You know, kind of branched out and did other you know sort of other commodities and, and foreign exchange and things like that. But yeah, no, I mean, at, at times you just think I am doing the most insane job on the planet because it's not like I can go home and talk to my mates and go, oh, well, this happened today at work because they'll just sit there staring at you blankly. What the hell are you talking yeah. about? Because you know? so what year was, was
1: this? How, how long ago was this? Well, this was
0: 1994. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. When I first started. So, we're, we're, we're going back a ways these days, you know, back into the 90s. Um yeah, I've been an old fuddy-duddy these days, as, uh, as the kids call me. But yeah, it's you know it's, it's mid '90s. Um, markets are booming. Um, you know the dot-com bubble was you know brewing. Um, you know it was an exciting time, and it was you know a great time to be you know in the industry. Um, you know, I was speaking to a few people you know a couple of weeks back, a couple of months back, about how it's all changed. Uh, very corporate these days. Very much driven by um hr departments and things like that i mean geez we there's the things we used to get up to but I mean, probably get the second or spot these days <laughs> Was it like wall street,
1: street, street kind of stuff was it
0: um well, not quite on par as the right. Wall street but, um i mean just you know just things you know people that annoy you in the office and you know you'd nick their glasses and stuff like that and shove them in the freezer and you wouldn't tell them to the end of the day where they were you know <laughs> things like that you know or I remember one of the companies we worked at or worked at, which was Sutton Financial. Um, the chairs that we had, right, were like this dark blue colour and you could soak them with water and they wouldn't change colour. <laughs> right. Right? They wouldn't change colour. So, you know, you'd have <laughs> one of the guys would sitting there going, right, it's going to go to the toilet. Can somebody cover my phones for a minute? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so, I mean, you'd take this. You know, seat and water and stuff like that. The wait, waiting part oh, was great. You know, because they come and sit back down and then leaping up and out of, you know, chair, you know, laughing and blinding at everybody. Um, okay, yeah. cool. So, so, so
1: after the uh, the three months probation, you, you got through that and obviously found success. Yeah. I mean, how did, so I suppose without getting too much into all the detail, I mean, how did things progress from there through your career and, uh, to where you are now yeah
0: i mean basically what you have to do you have to put your groundwork in obviously um you know to sort of progress your career you have to uh, pass regulatory exams so i am a cf-30 which is essentially what's known as a controlled function and um, you know that's up on the fca website um, all professionals must have um a cf-30 or above and um, i do have a cf 21 or cf26 but that's basically that's like the old version of a cf30 and and what do these these.
1: actually give you what does this qualification mean that you know that other Mm. people don't
0: right well this basically gives you the privilege to talk to clients to trade for clients to offer clients advice um you know so they may ring you (laughs) i'll tell you a story in a minute um they make you know they're going to ring you on a daily basis, and you've got to execute business for them. Whether that's them leaving you, you know, resting orders in the market, or whether you know that's like instant execution or whatever. And, you but know, is it something we, like is it
1: like that you know how to read the market now, because you've done this exam, or is it more that you no, know how to again, just execute things no. on the market?
0: Just execute things, execute and market. I have an understanding of, of what markets are. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, my god, I remember my dad he used to go nuts because you know out of 300 questions that you'd have right so you would have uh, like the regulatory side of the exam and then you know like the trading side of the exam and he would go nuts because you'd, you'd have like three questions on the london met exchange which is where i was oh. you know and he's, he's like well none of this is bloody relevant to you and you know why are you learning this and i'm like yeah Dad, i have to do it you know you got grandfathered out you yeah, never yeah. had to take any of these exams it's kind of like a new thing that came in but um yeah, it took me a few goes, mate. I tell you, because you have to learn it bloody parrot fashion, um, and then literally as soon as you've passed it, you're like, right, well, I'm, you know, I'm not trading coffee, sugar, or cocoa, or you know, I'm not trading in stocks and shares, um, you know. So that kind of just gets sort of put in the background. But mm-hmm. then, <clears throat> as you sort of then get in, more involved in the game and call it a game, if you get more involved in the game, you realise very quickly that. Every market is the same. It's traded and understood in the same way by the people that are trading it at the institutions. Um, yes, you substitute, you know, different, um, maybe a little bit of different terminology or contract specifications or things like that. But the principle is exactly the same. You want to buy at wholesale. You want to sell at retail. That is what you're doing. You're also facilitating client business and something like I said to you. And, and sorry. How week.
1: do And how, de- how do they define wholesale? versus retail how would you say they're defined well, there's,
0: there's, yeah there's I mean, let's look at the fx market as an example right and i've said this before and i will say it again um price and value that is the key to trading price and value you've got to understand that there are particular places and particular prices at which institutions revisit time and time and time again people think that the markets are chaos they're chaotic they're random of course they're not who the hell's going to make any money in a market that's completely random it may look random because of a how you've been taught to look at it be the the understanding of hey look there are two different users of these markets one is commercial they trade because they have to what what credence do they give on the price that they buy or sell at they don't they just have to trade so that is what is moving these markets on a daily basis, up and down. If you're looking at your charts right this second, it's ticking up, it's ticking down. What's coming on? That's commercial business. So you're facilitating that each and every day. That's your bread and butter. That's how you earn commission for the company and things like that. Um, Then you've got speculation. And speculatory users of the market obviously have a hugely vested interest in where they're trading from. Those prices are very, very important to them. How do you derive value? Well, you derive value from what is fundamentally going on right now. So the value of these prices over the years and over the months will change. But that's a dependent factor on what is happening today. But what you'll find is is that there are particular levels on charts, which I'll show you later, and particular levels on charts that have been revisited all the way since the inception of free and flowing currency rates so an example that i'm going to show you later and i have I've, I've spoken about it before but again i'll just reiterate just in case any you know people haven't heard it and um, the levels that the euro uh, that the banks are using to trade the euro today and that's for themselves that's for speculation okay they were predefined and pre-existed before the euro even existed as a currency there are things that came before the Euro, the European currency unit, the European unit of account. The levels that were established on there are essentially really copied and pasted over onto the Euro. Right. So right now, again, people will sit there and go, well, how the hell do you know that blah? Hey, look, I was there. I did it. I ate it. I drank it. I slept it. Whatever. You know, you can sit there and say, well, that's cheating.
1: And, and do you think it's like oh, yeah. uh, I mean, because this is it really just amazes me. Like, I mean, do you think it was almost like a? Is it just a natural thing that ha- occurs organically in terms of these levels just occur organically, and everyone goes, "Well, these are the levels," or is it something that everyone in the background is going, "Hey, like, right, Bank B, Bank A, let's have a chat. These are this is the level that we want to get yeah. in at, guys."
0: Right. Yeah, again, this harks back very early on you know um in the in in free and flowing currency rates because regulation practically didn't exist let's be honest right you've got no instant messaging you've got no emails nobody's taping phone calls or anything like that you can basically say anything on the phone and there really there's not going to be any repercussions right so if people think that banks wouldn't get together and traders wouldn't get together and say right boys and it would have been boys back then sorry ladies but you know it was predominantly a boys club back then So, you know great things have changed these days you know um but right boys well i've got a ton of buying to do here and i've got a ton of selling to do here why you know if we all essentially do the same thing we can move this market and we can make it move from one point to the next we have a vested interest in making money. So if we all help each other to make money, we're all achieving the same goal. And, and that will not be a bad thing. So if people do think, you know, that banks wouldn't work together, come on. I mean, seriously, come yeah. on. Yeah. Like bloody, you know. And you've got to think, that's what the pub was invented for, right? <laughs> right, you <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You're going down the pub after work, you know. You're not even in that environment. I, you know, I'd seen, trades down on the back of cigarette packets in pubs, stuff like that, you know, and you get in the next morning and somebody goes to the back office and they go and see, you know, one of the boys or girls that's inputting these trades and it's like, right, I did this and they give them a cigarette packet and, you know, they're, they're bashing it into, you know, the TRS trade registration system, they're bashing it into there and, um, you know, nothing was ever said, you know, what time was this done and where was this done? You know it was done down the pub yeah, at about yeah. I don't know. That's that's that is what
1: well, it's, it's amazing, but it's also uh it makes sense. It makes complete sense. Um yeah. and, and so I mean okay, well let's let's go back to your story and so you you passed the exam, what? you had that, then how did things go from there?
0: Well, I basically from there passed my exams um, after the Sumitomo copper crisis. I actually was going to go and do my regulatory exams that morning, but we got a phone call from my dad's Japanese office. Uh, he worked for a company called Triland Metals. Um, and they left us a message at about four o'clock in the morning that this, uh, they call them rogue traders, but this guy from Sumitomo Bank, uh, Yasu Hamanaka, had basically been fiddling the markets out in the far, in the copper market out in the Far East um essentially things unwound um don't know how things unwound but essentially things unwound and you know the proverbial shit here the fan and i said to my dad you know do you think i should go into the office this morning instead of doing the exams and he went yeah i think it might be a bit busy <laughs> you know um that's a story for another day but you know essentially you know we got there and copper was trading at you know nearly three thousand dollars a ton Uh, in the morning and by the time we finished that afternoon it basically halved in value and so a crazy day but yeah so i finally got around to passing these bloody exams which then opened up a whole new world because now i could speak to customers now i could give them advice trade for them on their behalf you know discretionary trade for them and things like that um and again that just opens up a whole new world because you're not then predominantly just trading lme you know which is base metals Mm. and you know i started at credit D N A rouse i then went to a company called Sukton, which is now suckton financial and um, i went there in 1998 uh which just coincided with the 98 world cup which was nice for me because i managed to get the whole of july off work because i was put on gardening leave for a month um got there that was <laughs> wow <laughs> just, it was just nuts it was the best place i've ever worked at best place i've ever worked um sat down there or got employed by one of the guys that was running the options desk, a guy called Hugh Lefanu and um, he basically said, look, I want you to come and work for me. I said, brilliant, love to, uh, you know, had the traditional interview, which was in the pub after work after, you know, with a few beers, Um sort of put a contract together, went back to Rouse and said, I'm leaving. They said, okay, one month's gardening leave started with something of, in August of 98. And um, again, you know, sort of still clerking deals, um, but now, you know, sort of progressing upwards again, I was made head clerk and I was then sort of put on the phones. Essentially, there was another guy, Chris Adams, um, who was working at, so he was the boss of the, the London Metal Exchange desk at Sigdon. He said to Hugh, basically, you know, look, I'd like to take Paul off with you. Um, you know, would that be okay? And of course, they came to a gentleman's agreement. Um, so I went back from that LME desk there, went back down to the trading floor again and, um, then I got employed by somebody else that worked at Sub. Then it was kind of like an introducing broker, but with you know within the umbrella of a big company. Uh, a guy called Ivor House. He had a bloke called Mark that was working with him. Mark, what, what do you left. think? Well,
1: if you had to slide out of all these companies in the, that you worked for over your career, I mean, what mm-hmm. was the craziest thing that you saw happen in that that career? Well,
0: um there's a few things mate I should I could get people into trouble <laughs> yeah which ones can you say that, that, where
1: you're not going to get anyone into trouble <laughs> are there any you can say sure. that you, you're not going to get people into trouble
0: oh, well, or without maybe, names maybe you could do it without names without names is that possible uh, um, without names okay so we used to have a certain very big customer of ours who uh, was a big 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 player in the copper market and we used to do a lot of business for them a heck of a lot of business right and we would sometimes get some really you know massive market moving orders from them so they might ring you up and say right i want you to sell me five thousand lots of copper so you got to do five thousand times 25 one lot is 25 tons of copper and you're going to shift the market on that volume right but you'd get get the order and he'd go okay i'll come back to you with a price put the phone down right boys i've got five thousand lost to sell you've got 45 seconds right you've got 45 seconds they're on the phone not going to say who too. yeah right they're on the phone then we smashed crap out of the market right lads i've got 500 left to go You've got 45 seconds back on the phone. Boom, market's moved. Yeah, it's just shot jumping. up, is it? Or shot down or whatever? <laughs> shot down. down. Yeah. Around the office right, like, so you guys I'm are happy. basic.
1: so you're basically, like he's saying you've got 45 seconds to get out of your positions or to, could yeah. you short at that point? Or you,
0: you couldn't short? Uh, well, we would, that, well, that's, that's the thing. So we would have been looking for buyers, right? So if we had a big selling order, we would be looking for buyers. Yeah. Uh, um, and so, account
1: is is. And so, all the people that you were on the phones to, they are essentially going to lose lose a bunch of cash because they just bought all this copper at the higher price. Well, at the oh, higher I, price.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm not even talking that. I'm talking. Oh God, I even know if to say it. Um, you weren't allowed to have personal trading accounts. Oh right. <laughs> Within yeah. the company <laughs> <Okay>. oh dear <laughs> all various other ways in which you could do things um <laughs> i ain't naming any names and i'm not naming where i was and i'm not you know put it this way it was an opportunity for us for people to make some
1: extra cash Yeah. put it that yeah. way okay um okay and so Without what, let, let, let's do the transition to to like i suppose leaving the the industry to becoming going out and trading on your own i mean how did that all happen
0: um well i mean after the financial crisis i basically said Rod had enough i just can't be asked anymore and i you know i'd learned a heck of a lot i'd worked with some some amazing people um you know, we, we, we traded a raft of different products, you know, base metals, precious metals, foreign exchange, soft commodities, oil, things like that, um, and just understood it to be all fundamentally the same. Um, so sort of left there, uh, just decided to just do my own thing, you know, took what I knew, applied it. You know, everything is slightly different because you don't have all of the order flow around you. So, yeah, look, I ain't going to lie. I I had to slightly change my approach. But then it's, you know, it's just realizing, I think, when you step away from it, that you're not in control. And this is what I say to everybody that I speak to or, you know, any student that I had is just realize very, very early on that you are not in control of this market. The market is in control of you right in a a sense of you know doesn't matter what you think what you feel what analysis you do market does not have any you know sort of you know tones as to look at what you're doing and go oh yeah that's what i should do you know it's going to do its own thing so you have to be very open to that and say right well how could i adjust what i'm doing which was at an institutional level which is trading with a bias right trading with a bias because you have all the info around you, you know, which is totally different as you know as, as coming away from it because then it's like, oh, okay, so now I'm staring at a blank wall. I've got no info there. Mm. I don't know where the order flow is. And when you I say mean?
1: inflow, so the order flow was the main source of info
0: in terms of when you're at the it very much Yeah, very much is. Um, if you do, you know what I mean. If you've got big accumulative positions that have been built up you know at some point you know they're going to have to be unwound and if you sort of you know especially when people sort of try to put squeezes on markets and things like that you know if you put a squeeze on a market and people find out about it the minute you start to try and unwind your position it's like mate if you think sharks have got a strong sense of smell for blood and got nothing on a bunch of traders when there's somebody sitting there trying to unwind a position boom you know you just smash them out of the park you know you smash them to bits and but it's a dog eat dog world at the end of the day you know um but yeah i had to adjust what i did sort of take a slightly different approach and said to myself well well, okay i've traded for a lot of them i've spoken to a lot of them we've done a lot of business with them let's take a leaf out the hedge fund fraternities book right let's sit there and say to yourself yeah i ain't in control anymore so it's not now for me to determine value. It so it's not down to me to determine value and I haven't, you know, I'm not sitting there best thing for me to do is to say, okay, so around these levels, but I'm used to trading. I'm actually going to hedge. Now I'm going to hedge this level. Why? Well, because it, I've got fixed stops either side, which essentially gives me a window around this level for the market to then go and essentially, can choose its direction or pick and choose its value whichever one that you want to sort of put it down as which i'm going to show you later um to do that because you then have to treat trading as a business and you then have to say to yourself okay well look every business out there incurs a cost so if it costs me x amount here to come and find out i can make x amount down here i do that deal every day of the week you know it's not going to eat too much out of my profits you know i'm I'm not bothered about it as long as what i'm looking for sort of from these levels is movement now i don't care if it's up or down so again that sort of slightly changed the way in which i thought about things because then i'm thinking yeah why am i caring about direction all i want is movement does that make sense to you?
1: Yeah it, yeah, it does. So you want to sort of see a push away from a level in one direction. You don't care if yep. the overall bias is up or down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're basically trading bias neutral, which is obviously a twenty first yeah. century saying, right? You want to trade bias neutral, which means you actually don't care if the market goes up or down. It doesn't actually really matter because you can make money in a market that rises or falls. And, you know, people that I've introduced this concept to and, and uh, you know, people that I've taught, I've often said to me, the minute I stop caring about where the market went, it's like a completely different ball game. I can make money if it goes up or down. Why was I so hell bent and stuck upon? I must get the direction right because yeah. that's the thing, Cam, isn't it? If you if, then, if you are trading with a bias, you have to be right. Yeah, that's the thing you do. Yeah, if you say, well, my
1: daily direction is up. And you're only taking buys if the whole day goes down and there's like you know three hours of up or something, you're screwed, or you're not, or you're gonna you're gonna absolutely screw yourself across the whole day. So yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's 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 a, it's a great way to look at
0: it. Yeah, it's a different concept, but you, that's just the thing. It's just saying to yourself, mate, you ain't in control. The market doesn't know who you are. It doesn't, personally, if he did, he probably wouldn't give a toss because that's just the market. Um, But then again, that's another thing. What is the market? It's human beings. Mm. So, you know, again, it's what I say to people, you know, when you're looking at a chart, regardless of what it is, forget what it is because that doesn't matter. could be anything. What are you looking at? What is a chart? What does it really represent? That represents human behavior over time. And, you know, you've got to get into the mindset of, right, what were these people thinking at the time? Was this product cheap? Was it expensive? Did they want to buy? Did they want to sell? How many times have we got back to that level? How many times has it moved away from this level? Either up or down, makes no difference. But that's when you start to really realize it's not what I'm looking at that's important, i.e. Euro, dollar, gold, you know, soya beans, whatever. That, That part doesn't matter. It's what you're looking for. Now once you understand what you're looking for, then you start to see structure in the market. Then you start to flesh it out. Then you understand, oh hold on a minute. People used to, you know, they love to use this term. The trend is my friend. You only like that because it rhymes. (laughs) Right? That's brilliant. Okay? (laughs) Can you tell me when it's gonna start? No. Can you tell me when it's gonna finish? Mm. No. How the hell is that my friend? (laughs) don't trend anyway mate they range right they yeah. range between level cheaper expensive that's what they do um you know it's it, it's not like a to b and a to b do you know what i mean it's not yeah. like that it but they will range and then something will happen this is what i mean you know fundamentally is where you drive back derive value from so something that was maybe expensive a few times in the past when you get there now it's like well, hold on something's changed fundamentally so the value of that price actually now isn't expensive it's cheap so then what we'll do is is we'll break above that level we'll close above that level the level at the bottom then becomes cheap and the level at the top becomes expensive and then we range and then if something happens again we'll either come down a range or we'll go up a range does that make sense yeah 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 and that's how markets function they don't trend you know i mean it's 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 all about perspective as well if you're sitting there looking on really sort of short-term time frame charts, mate, you're just battling against commercial business. What are you doing? You've got no idea where the market's going to go to because you've got no idea what anybody's customer is going to say when they ring up, right? Again, this is one of those things, yeah. mate. You're my customer, right? My Your phone line is ringing. I pick it up. Hi, Cam. Hi, Paul. After that, I'm screwed. I don't know what you're going to say. You could say, buy, you know, uh, buy as much as possible, sell as much as possible, do nothing. Do you fancy going out for lunch? Want to meet up for a beer afterwards? I literally have no idea. So if I don't know what he's going to say, how on earth are people trying okay, to right, decipher yeah. that yeah. on a chart? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so, so um, what what timeframes
1: do you recommend like people look at then to try and avoid that commercial as,
0: wash? As much history as possible, mate as much history as possible but you've you've really got to fundamentally understand and this is and this is amazes a lot of people it's I would just say to people look there's three candlesticks they can only do one of three things that's it and people are like, oh, sod off it can't be that it can't be that it is yeah if you just break it down mate <laughs> break it down. It, you just, it really is so very very simple yeah. You know, so, so
1: back to the time frame thing what I meant was like in terms of if you were looking at a chart time frame what what time frames would you be going down
0: to as a lowest again well this is the thing time frame I see. I don't look at time as a concept time mm. is, is a, no consequence for me prices so the price is the same on a one minute chart as it is on a one month chart what you've got to under, fundamentally understand is which prices do I want to be trading from right yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. this goes back to be able to essentially read that human behavior on a chart it's kind of like i said to you the other day it's, it's like a language obviously it's not one that we speak but it's one that we can understand and it's universal so it doesn't matter if you're out trading the Nikkei in japan or you know you're, you're trading metals in london or you know you're you're working for you know you're hedging for mount isa in in australia makes no difference but it's that it is price and this is the thing you know if you if you ever look at um pictures of trading floors right find me the guy that's sitting in front of his desk right in front of his screen yeah plotting all of these things all over he's no that doesn't happen right? if you look at the yeah. all you see is what price that's all that's there yeah. is price. Right, okay. Yeah. So you already know in your head where you want to trade from. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because why? Well, because that's where you've always traded from. And that's where you know, that's where these big orders are going to be because everybody in the know is essentially trading from the same place. Right? And then, like I said earlier, they have a vested interest in making that market move from one place to the next. Yeah. So if you already know that in advance, and again, you know, I'll show you on the chart, and obviously I've trained a lot of people before in the past. But this is the thing: if you map that out on a chart, you automatically already know where you want to trade from before the market gets there.
1: And what you're saying is, you don't know if you're going to trade up from it or down from it. You're going to hedge that yeah. that level. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And and what about yeah. the, what markets are you trading now that you go on retail? Are you still doing metals or?
0: But yeah you know i look at i mean that's just ingrained in the brain mate that's in the blood i can't help that yeah. one do you know what i mean i can't tell folks i'll have a bit of bloody <laughs> copper come out of me or something like that you know um yeah so still you know sort of keen on metals precious metals foreign exchange i'll trade the majors on the foreign exchange just on the on the basis of liquidity i want on a market that's liquid you know highly liquid yeah um, again again one of those great sayings isn't it people go oh yeah well volatility creates opportunity uh, yeah, to lose money, yeah, to lose money because you've got a lack of liquidity. If you can't get out of a position, yeah, mate, you're yeah, screwed. Yeah, you know, and that, and that you, comes at highly volatile times.
1: And talking about volatility, I means do you do anything in the crypto space? Have you dived in there, or
0: you don't feel the need to? Oh, God, I, I tell you what, I was literally having a chat with one of my mates last night. Right, um, Jay McDonald. Hello, Jay. I know you're going to watch this because he said he's <laughs> watching that. Right, so yeah, she put on a few pounds and lost a few your head mate. <laughs> joking um no we were literally just talking about this last night and um because i thought somebody had hacked his twitter account right he just keeps going on about bitcoin all <laughs> right okay like he's going on about <laughs> bitcoin i'm like well you know you know me and jay used to trade nickel back in the day at at, at, at financial um you know he was kind of like the first one that kind of really took me under his wing um but yeah, I mean I he put on he put on his Twitter, uh basically I sold my Bitcoin um just above the all time high, you know, back when it spiked up to about twenty thousand. He said back all on high about eighteen and a half thousand. So I sent him a message basically saying, Oh, did you sell it to Bolt? Right. Now Bolt was the nickname of one of our clients. Um he would always call us up. He'd always have prior knowledge, I ain't gonna say where he got it from, but he'd always have prior knowledge. I just want to buy this day and I want to sell this day. All right, so don't forget this is, yeah. you know, that exchange, right? So you can trade it all of these days. Right. In the end, it, we just used to pick the phone up and go, well, how much is this going to cost me? Right, how much is this going to cost me? Because whatever you sold it to him for, it would skyrocket. All right? And <laughs> he'd always make a bloody fortune. <laughs> he'd always <laughs> yeah. make a don't know where that info came from, not going to even speculate yeah, yeah, where that yeah, info yeah. came from. Um, but, yeah, and I was like, so what are you doing with this crypto? Is that you or someone hacked your account? He went, no, it's me. I was like, right. And we sat down and we had a, you know, a good chat for about it for about an hour. And he actually said something to me which actually made me sit there and think, right, maybe I shouldn't be such an old fart. Maybe I shouldn't be thinking of this like an old dinosaur anymore. And what he said to me was value, perceived value. He said, you perceive value in cash. Because you do something for it and you get paid in cash. So it has an intrinsic value. Mm. Gold has an intrinsic value. Everything has an intrinsic value because you believe in it. Yeah. And he said to me, look, if enough people believe that cryptos are the way forward, then mate, there is money to be made. And there is speculation going to occur, which is now you've got you know central banks now kind of crapping themselves going right well we've got to do something I mean, you know digitalized currencies it's got to be coming you know we can't essentially let this de- you know this decentralized yeah. um, way of money moving around the planet because we ain't in control of it anymore but at the moment they're in control but they're kind of slowly losing that grasp and they've had it for hundreds and hundreds of years do you know, what I mean, talking like central banks and things like that—they've like had it for hundreds of years, and it's always been the same people, the same families, the same—you know—factions that have always had control of the world's money. That's now slowly trickling away because a lot of people believe that that's a bad thing, which I also believe it's a bad thing. But to move it into something else where these people don't matter anymore, because everybody can access it, everybody. Yeah. So yeah. now I'm starting to look at it, thinking to myself. I might have a bit of a dick for not, you know, but looking he, at it. A
1: bit. Yeah, but uh, are you looking at it from more of an investor point of view or, or a trader point of view, like trading it or just
0: investing in bunk. it?
1: Both. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the,
0: the uh, thing mm. that we said, right, which, was, which really interested me, the thing that we said, is we're both sitting here coming from a regulated market structure, right? Every market that we've traded has always been fully regulated yeah. and crypto's aren't. so essentially you're approaching it as a professional why right because there's obviously different classifications of clients right you've got you know retail client professional client and institution you get afforded no protection as a professional client So just that that you know just let people understand that you get no protection you've got no regulatory body that you can go to mm. and go hey like i lost all my money well you're going to you're going to tell that so you can tell it to your mates you can tell it on you know on your twitter page or on your linkedin page you can tell it whatever but no one's going to come to your aid so my advice is you know just be careful um don't put all your eggs in one basket i do think this is the way that the world is going to be heading um but also to say as well you know if banks come out with a digitalized version of cash essentially so it's now a digital currency again right are we going to completely rewrite the rule book when it comes to foreign exchange trading no are people just going to do the same thing and trade from the same places that they always did yeah it's just a great case of getting broke don't fix it yeah you know? i mean look it's, it's but,
1: it, it seems to i mean like i spoke to somebody from china the other day and a couple of days ago and they you know china's bans Whatever, like all sorts of stuff, and you know, just said to the guy. Surely you, you've got some massive VPS, uh, VPS companies that are that are just creamier over there because you guys are all like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't do this, can't do that, and he's like, yeah, basically that's everyone's just on VPS into the rest of the yeah. world, and that's so it's completely open and very hard to control for any government or institution, which I suppose is one of the benefits of it. Now, um, before we digress too much, I, there was a couple of other questions I wanted to ask. Uh, the banks, you sort of talked about the, the banks and, you know, these levels and trading Forex and stuff. So Forex, I've heard that the banks no longer have Forex trading flaws, and this might might be after the time that you've left and stuff. Yeah. Because they found it too hard to make money. This is what I heard. It's all hearsay. Um, is have you heard anything similar? Would you even accept that as like a valid, uh, valid thing? Given the fact you know you talk about these historical levels and stuff.
0: Well, th- that's the thing. I mean, for me, I would look at it and I'd say, you know, banks aren't trading foreign exchange anymore. <laughs> yeah, all right. Of course they are. They have to. Yeah. Um, you know have things got more automated most certainly um you know give you an example my brother-in-law works at jp morgan and i was, you know we were around his house the other week and he was working from home that afternoon or that day i should say and he basically the he now works on risk um as opposed to kind of like outright trading so, yes, a lot of things have become more automated. Um, but, I mean, are banks not trading in the foreign exchange market? They are the market. Yeah. Uh, you know maybe, I mean? it's, maybe it's maybe
1: maybe it's it's more the fact, that maybe, I don't know. It seems odd that, yeah, somebody said, uh, and I think there's a couple of people have heard it from, where they've said, like, the banks are not, maybe it's they're not actively trying to make, a, you know, the profit targets they were looking to make in the past. I don't, but that doesn't
0: seem to make sense. Right, because no, and that wouldn't make sense to me either. Yeah. Um, but I mean, proprietary trading kind of died a bit of a death. Um, you know, it, it got, I don't want to offend anybody by saying it. It oh, I put it this way, it got more corporate, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it very much orientated towards risk. I would suggest after the financial crisis has probably sort of come into being more after i've left than you know um, than not but you know i mean risk then got really clamped down on because obviously if you've got people i mean this is why i love directing people to watch the big short right the film yeah you got people trading they had no idea what they were doing at all you know uh, but they still actually you know a lot of them actually made a lot of money from it and it was that, it was that, you know, again, people not realising, you know, you can have an option on 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 an option, on an option and, and it just got so big that, obviously, like, we all know what happened, Yeah, you know, it, it nearly collapsed. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, it wouldn't make any sense to me to somebody that turned around and went, well, would the banks don't trade for exchange anymore. Yeah, yeah well, that, uh, I want to just
1: lob it in there just to find out. Now, um, mm. let's just go over some of the sort of Normal questions that I go through. I mean, we're, we're running out of time here, but um, yeah. I mean, from your personal trading, I mean, like, how many trades are you doing in a week?
0: Uh, market dependent, mate. It's not up to me. It's up to the market.
1: Okay. And uh, uh, with the hedging kind of approach, are you looking for sort of set rewards, and how do you how do you manage your risk to reward kind of thing, or does it even exist?
0: Your targets. See, again, it's why I always say to everybody, right, you're going to call up your deal ticket, right? What do you know? What you want to trade, what direction you want to trade, what price do you want to trade, where you stop losses. There's only one of them that you can't put your finger on. It's a target. But you won't always hit it. But it comes down to managing trades, um, you know, which is a big thing. If you're not managing your trades and you're just saying you have an arbitrary target that it has to hit, otherwise, you know, the trade's rubbish really you know there is a market saying out there don't be a dick for a tick you know you've got 150 you know you've got 150 pips trading target it's at 145 just take it because what happens if it gets to 147 pips in your favor and then goes and and so when Um, you start talking about
1: managing it i mean what what would you do at like 145 pips and go well that was what i was sort of looking for are you looking at something specific there to say maybe this
0: thing's not going to happen Again, you're keeping your eye on fundamentals. You're following your trades up behind. I don't like to use um, automated trailing stops because at some point you're going to have a news item that's going to make the market become volatile. It's going to become volatile not because lots of people are trading it, more the other way around, that they ain't trading it, i.e. not providing liquidity, which is banks, which means, you give you an example of non-farm payroll, you know, I mean, just crazy business. Non-farm payroll banks ain't trading that. They're not providing liquidity for that. The numbers have come out 150,000 better than expected. Retail trading strategy, buy, 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 buy. Where are you buying at? Don't know. Where's your top? Where's your stop? Don't know. Where's your take profit? Don't know. So your strategy is you came out better than expected, so you're going to hit buy. <laughs> so you see markets fly up, not masses of volume, it's lack of liquidity right so i want to be trading in a market minute. normal you know normal right, nice yeah to- and yeah. um, you're gonna have that so again if you approach um your trade management expecting the worst to happen i.e you're going to get a very volatile moment in the market sometimes it will happen sometimes it won't happen but if you've approached it every time with the worst case scenario in your mind it's over well, okay well look, maybe i'll leave my stop at break even for a minute Let's let this news event happen. Let the craziness happen. And then when everything calms down again and gets back to normal, I'll just start following my trade up buying again. Or if something's come out that's like super not expected, right? that would be about the only time the banks are going to react to this news. Right. Right. Let's just say the figures came out a million better than expected. Nobody expected that right so the banks will be like oh crap now we have to make a very very quick readjustment of the valuation of this particular asset right now if it's just your run-of-the-mill stuff they ain't trading they're not providing liquidity and that again that's when you know a retail broker is then open to manipulating their own spreads and of course they do do that
1: now what about a trader's mindset do you have any sort of special tips that you teach the guys that come through and learn from you
0: expect the worst Always expect the worst. If you expect the worst, anything other than that's a bonus. Right. That's great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Expect the worst. Because if you, as a trader, you should just look at it and say, right, not how much money can I make. How much am I willing to risk to make more? How much can I stomach? You know, um, that's more to the point. How much is this going to cost me if I screw it up? But the introduction of hedging also kind of negates that because you are mitigating your risk by hedging. So if you approached it knowing every single time that one of those trades can't work, again, that's a totally different mindset. Because you're like, okay, I have pre-prepared the mind for this. Okay, so one of those can't work. Okay, so when I get stopped out on this one, have i lost any money on this one no because they've cancelled each other out now but now if that market's now picked its direction and it starts to rise or fall depending on you know which trade's working Yeah, i'm cool with that i've lost there and i've made there that's okay i might have thought that this market was going to bounce on this level it didn't it went straight through it and you'd sit there and say to yourself thank god i hedged that (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah so that's the thing. You can make money by being wrong. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah. You can't be right all the bloody time.
1: That's a sort of great advice. I like that. That's that's perfect. Now, um, let's let's go through a couple of quick ones here. So, do you have a recommended book or resource that people could pick up and or go to?
0: No. Okay. I honestly, people. The reason being, people have said me, "Have you read this trading book?" And my honest answer is, without sounding like an arse. Is why would I read it I've I've been there and done it I don't yeah do you know what I mean yeah I don't need to read You've lived it. it yeah yeah so it's a different experience for me as, as as somebody as opposed to you know maybe coming from the retail world and doing really well and being really successful and they found other people's sort of thoughts and insights as, as, as an inspiration or you know something that they could fall back on the difference for me is I had real life yeah. experience do you know what I mean so without coming across as an arse no, I don't read trading books. Yeah. I I might read something like Liars Poker or The Big Short, but again that's approaching it with that's a story about a market. Yeah, but, exactly. Know. Okay,
1: what about yeah. um what about a preferred broker and trading platform?
0: I'm a firm believer in you trade with who you want to trade with. You trade on what platform you want to trade with, whichever one is more comfortable for you. Maybe some of the younger guys are more comfortable trading on their phones and then you might get old farts like me are more comfortable trading on a computer. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? It's horses, but courses.
1: Hey, folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100K. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Cool. All right, do you want to walk us through the worst trade you've ever had?
0: Worst trade I've ever had. Um, I remember sitting pretty in the Euro, which is going back a few years now. Uh, I was probably about 200 pips to the good. Beautiful trade. Actually very close to closing it. And then all of a sudden, at the drop of a hat, the market just went straight down. I'm like, what the hell happened there right um and this again this will happen to people during the course of their trading careers called unscheduled news right unscheduled news um the ec this is for the ecb they had uh jens weidman right um basically the number two at the ecb uh, at the time um he said in an obscure interview uh, with a radio station in Luxembourg that the ECB had been uh, discussing about changing uh, their monetary policy and interest rates. Mark, he didn't like that, and it just <laughs> literally dropped through the floor. Right? Well, I'm sitting there thinking, one minute, hey, next minute, WTF. What is going on? How, how
1: far down did it go from 200 pips up to what
0: was it? Probably about another 50 down, right? And then I was like, well, I'm um, stopped out, I'm done. Okay. Had a really nice.
1: Yeah. So the, your worst trade was the fact that you're actually up healthily, and then it, yeah. just, it just, you got screwed over in like a second. Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. You know what? No, but let me just finish that yeah. off. There's the thing that really pissed me off about this, Cam, was the next day, Mario Draghi, who was then the head of the central bank, European Central Bank came out and said, We haven't discussed anything like that. And guess what? The market did <laughs> straight Stopped up, Right back up again. Yeah. And I sat there yeah. and went, mm. At least you knew
1: why. At least you knew why, and you weren't sitting there going, Yeah, what yeah. the yeah. hell was going yeah, on here? Words with, yeah. Yeah. yeah, now, um, to wrap up, what, what, um, could you leave our listeners with one piece of advice?
0: Oh, god, uh, again, without sounding like a complete. Knob. um forget most of what you know. Don't believe what you read. Don't believe what you watch. And um, if you're throwing all of your eggs into the technical analysis basket, please don't. It's a complete waste of time. And um, they are there for analysts at banks to make reports. Those reports go out to clients to induce clients into trading. Um, how do banks and institutions make money? They trade first. They send the report out second client acts on the report the bank's already traded so when the client starts acting what are they in actual fact really doing helping the bank close out their own (laughs) bloody position so um if you want to become an analyst sure by all means for me an analyst is paid to get things wrong on purpose um so you could follow that route um yeah strip it all back don't put loads of crazy crap all over your chart um indicators. I mean that this sounded really long-winded, but I mean indicators, right? I'll say to people, can you name me an indicator? And they go, Yeah, RSI. Excellent. What is it? Relative strength index. What does it measure? Don't know. What session should it be on? <laughs> I don't know. Why the hell are you using it? Because somebody told me to. Right, okay. Understand. <laughs> that can't help you, can it? You don't know how it works. So it's I I suppose Learn the rules of the game before you engage. And I think you can use that in any analogy, in anything in life. Learn how to play the game before you play it. Otherwise, you're not going to do You're
1: not going to do very well. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much. Now, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you?
0: Um... I'm not the easiest boat to find. I don't do any advertising or anything like that, as I said to you the other week, and you're like, yeah, you can say that's true. Uh, I do run a website. It's paulscottfx.com. On there is a few previous podcasts. You might listen to them and go, oh, he's basically said the same stuff as what he said here today. I've tried to flesh it out a bit. um, But if this is new to you, go on there. Uh, Don't expect anything. Flash there ain't anything flash you don't have to sign up to the mailing list i'm not going to bother you with emails boring the crap out of you um i'm on linkedin as well again paul scott fx um i do have a twitter feed that i i just don't bother with if i'm perfectly honest at paul scott fx um yeah I think they'll be able to find you that way.
1: That's awesome, mate. Look, um, big thank you to Paul for sharing with with us today everything we discussed here, along with all those links that he's just mentioned, will be in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Paul in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. There you have folks. Interview done and dusted with Paul. Now, do remember we did shoot a video after this where he walks through some of the, uh, or in fact, he reveals one of the bank trading levels that they a level that they trade off and shows you how he trades it as well and we see a few other things that are really interesting in terms of how the market is constructed so head over there trading that youtube channel links underneath this uh, video or in the podcast description wherever you're consuming this now um, also do remember genius trader coming up early 2020 uh, 20 22. Uh, so that is coming up January, late January or early February. Stay tuned for that. And my happy singles bot. If you want to go and check out the performance, head over there. It's available this December. Only after that, the bot disappears forever. Uh, you get to learn the strategy in the video I shot. Also, you get to uh see how it performed in back tests and get to see how the demo test is performing this month. Uh, and look, if you were looking to build anything, it, automate any of your trading or some of your trading or just even experiment trading ideas, then check out my Robot Builders Club where we use the FX Dreamer software. I teach you how to do it. I teach you all strategies I've come up with over seven plus years of using FX Dreamer to show you how to quickly automate virtually anything you can come up with, any idea you can dream up. You'll be able to automate it uh, in a matter of hours, if not minutes, depending on how complex it is. But it's going to save you all this grief from using coders to do it for you, which, trust me, is always a nightmare. Uh, it's you're better off learning these skills yourself. And Christmas, New Year's is probably the perfect time if you're at home. And it's cold in the winter uh, over there in Europe or America. Uh, it's a great time to sit down, do a course, learn a skill and then apply it in 2022 all right guys thanks for watching the videos and listening to the podcast depending on where you are have a great christmas and we'll see you in the next one